guys. How's everyone doing? Good. Who knows God's who knows God's doing something? Yeah. God's doing something in our hearts and it's um it's deep and there's this I don't know, I've never been so excited to be in church. You know, as this year. It just feels like God's just ignited something. He's doing something so deep inside of us and it's this his grace, his unconditional love that does that you know there's nothing we can do to manufacture that nothing we do to earn that mm. and to be on this journey with you guys is honestly the greatest privilege you know i, c- I could <laughs> it's it is the greatest privilege to be in a, a journey together with mates friends that you can love and do life with family because you guys, it's beyond, it's crossed that line of friendship to that point of family. Because if someone says, you know, you choose your friends, you can't choose your family. And I know that saying, but my goodness, this family I'm so blessed to be a part of. Yeah. And I know what God's building inside of us is not just for whilst we do this. Yeah. It's for generations to come. Yeah. And even when I was chatting with Luke this week, we're talking about how do we make decisions today for generational impact? We want to think about our children's children in this, that we cannot just be a generation that thinks just about ourselves and how we can get our freedoms, our little goosebumps or whatever it is. But actually, how do we leave a legacy for generations to come that actually our children can inherit something worth inheriting rather than just a thing? Please come and grab a seat. Okay, no worries. worries. (laughs) Um, Is how can we leave a legacy that actually impacts your generations you know because so often we hear such negativity these days about oh what about our children you know it's just getting worse life is getting worse like when i grew up this or that we were in jersey recently that people leave their keys in the car in the ignition of their cars they don't lock their doors that's how they roll as i people say oh that it used to be like that you know well, I grew up in South Africa, it was never like that. But I'll tell you something, is actually, what happens if we transform the city? Yeah. What happens if the city actually looked like heaven? Yeah. What if heaven wasn't just a place we went when we died, but a place that came while we lived? Yeah. What if you had a part to play in that, and we actually left a legacy that actually we were proud of? Yeah. And said, we laid down our lives, and we were a small group of people that took Jesus seriously, and we literally transformed the world. That's what I want to be a part of, amen? amen. So... I'm excited. This is that's oh, well, it kind of is going to probably go into what I'm preaching on, but is I I really felt strongly today is that God wanted to put eternity back in our hearts, and I don't know where you at in your journey. You might be from a non-Christian background. You might not be walking with the Lord. You might not even believe in God. You're welcome here because yeah. we're all on a journey. Mm-hmm. We're all on a journey exploring and getting to know who this God is. But actually, I want to encourage you to open your heart. And just hear what God might have to say to you. Not the person next to you, not the person who bought you, but to you. Yeah. And I'm going to get passionate. I might start shouting, but it's because I love you, okay? So we're we going to do it. But I wonder how many of you have ever wondered, does what, what I do, does it matter? Yeah. yeah. How many of you? Yeah. I mean, who's waking up tomorrow and thinking, does this really matter? Yeah. You know, does getting up... 
hopefully having a shower, you know, I mean, some of you are like, oh, I showered the night before. That was two nights ago. Shower in the morning. Come on. As you have a shower, you get ready for work, you get in the car, and you go to this place where you might be dreading your next day. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that actually could matter for eternity? Or do you think that's just a means to an end so I can come and lift up my hands and worship on a Sunday and that's all Christianity is really about is just this kind of Sunday service where I encounter God, I get a few, you know, and and then I walk away and I live my life the way I want to live. Or could there be more to life than that? Anyone ever wondered that? I wonder. And I'll tell you something, because if Christianity is just purely about living for this, we're in big trouble. Because it's about so much more. That when Jesus died, he died and he said, it is finished. He accomplished everything that we could not accomplish. Not so that we could just live a life for a Sunday, but that we could live our lives for eternity. That where the kingdom of God grips our hearts and we walk every day with a purpose, with a design, with an intention. When people look at us, they say, there's something different about those people. They're not just living this selfish existence about watching their next Netflix binge or their next Instagram post and how many likes they get. You know where that's going to go? Nowhere. The thing that's going to go with you into eternity is the person next to you. There's something about when we get eternity back in our hearts, the temporal existence we have actually gets a new perspective. Someone said this, that when you you go to a funeral, death brings life into perspective. It's so funny that at the point of death, suddenly the living that we have comes into a holy perspective. And I encourage us today to actually ask the question, what are you living for? What is the reason for you waking up in the morning? We have a generation that is lost. A generation that's longing to die for something greater than themselves. We are the protest generation. We all protest about anything these days. Seriously. Fuel prices is coming. We're going to protest and there's this, this thing of... But, but you know what's funny? As you kind of look at it and you say... What is the root of that? What is the longing? What is the, the cry in this generation that people will be sitting on top of trains for the Extinction Rebellion or whatever it was and say, we're going to stop these trains because we want to fight for the climate or whatever it is. Let me ask you a question. Why is it that there's this cry? Because people have lost sight of eternity and they want something bigger than themselves to die for. I keep saying it. Friends, why not lay down your life for the greatest treasure ever in created, not even create, uncreated treasure in the world, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Go and do all your campaigns, protests, but make sure you get Jesus right. Yeah. Make sure He comes into your heart. Come on. Amen. Amen. Come on. I'm just shouting at you now. Colossians 3, it says this, verse 23, it says, Whatever you do, can you say whatever? Whatever. Work at it with all your heart. Can you say all? All. As working for the Lord, not for men. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do, Elizabeth? Other than chill at work. What do you do? What do you actually do anything at work? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Wait, what do you do? You work with cars. Whatever you do. Yeah. Come on. What do you do, Hannah? I work for the 
Yes, you put people to sleep, huh? Okay. Whatever you do, <laughs> make sure they wake up, huh? Um, Brad, what do you do? <laughs> and they don't wake up. Sometimes you're... Uh, oh, no, yes. The euthanasia guy, dude. Uh, <laughs> Brad, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive, can you say receive? receive, an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Notice something, the motivation he gives for living your temporal life here. He said there is a reward coming in eternity that actually you will receive, but the way we work today actually affects our eternal destinies. Yeah. Now, I'm not talking about getting saved and giving life to Christ. I'm talking about a purpose in life once you've given your life to Christ. Yeah. Can I make that clear? That whatever you do, and let me tell you something, I do some interesting jobs. People are like, are you a full-time pastor? Definitely not. I'd probably go crazy. I'm not even a pastor. I don't, I don't like that word. Yeah? I lead the team that leads this church. Very big difference. Well, because we work in team. It's not a one-man band, amen? Yeah. yeah. I tell you this, my other job that I do is I do property. And the one time, and this happens fairly often, people's showers get clogged up. Amen? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, tenants, for some reason, don't know that you can pick up the thing and pull out whatever stuff is in there out so that you can let the water drain out. Now I get the call, the shower's broken. Great. So this person right here drives to the house and finds, you know, water. You know when you leave dishes and the water and there's that stuff on the top and it's like, oh, you know. And you know, you, you, you've got to get through that to get the clog out, yeah. Well, my goodness. My, I've had to pull out some very interesting stuff in a shared house with five people share. You put it in your hand and you're putting this stuff out. Man. Praise Jesus. This verse says, whatever I do, I can do it to the glory of God. Yeah. So when I'm pulling out some poop, I'm going to pull it out to the glory of God. Amen. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. There better be a reason bigger than just making money. Because when you're pulling that out, you cannot pay someone enough. Yeah. Amen. I think that when you do that, this verse reminds me every time I go to a horrible job, I'm like, whatever I do. I'm doing this to the glory of God because I know I will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. This reward better be big. When I'm pulling this out, I know that the reward is getting bigger and bigger. Amen. Amen. Come on. You need to know that whatever you do, it can count for the glory of God. Yeah. But you see, the problem we have today is we the right now generation. We're the instant gratification generation. We don't know how to persevere anymore. We don't know how to account. You know, someone said, I tried this business or I tried this job application thing. I applied to one job. Didn't get anywhere. Must have not been God's will. No. Try again. When that doesn't work, try again. When that doesn't work, try again. Why? Because we've lost the value of perseverance. And it's time that we get that back because if you lose that, my friend, you will never, ever go somewhere in life with God. Never. 
Like I tried reading the Bible. Oh my goodness. Didn't work. Are you serious? Think about it, guys. People died for this book to be where it is today. Yeah. Literally. Countless lives. And you think, oh, it just didn't work. Here's the thing. Read it, digest it, get it inside of you. The Chinese church are in prison. They write out the Bible on toilet roll. The entire Bible so that they can memorize it and pass it to the next person in the cell and they can memorize the scriptures and then they pass it on and they memorize it. Let me tell you something, what's missing right here is hunger. We need to get our hunger back and know that actually this thing is worth giving our lives for because there's an inheritance coming as a reward. But if we think that, oh, I'm just going to live my Instagram generation. You know, I'm going to get my picture, get my filter. Make myself look better. For what? Show it as it is. We're watching The Apprentice. and, and you, know, you know when they go into the room, I don't know if you've watched The Apprentice yet, but they go in and everyone's makeup's off in the, the morning when they wake them up. I'm like, that is a different person. Oh my goodness. I said to Anna, I was like, how long do you think they've spent putting makeup on? They must spend days. Honestly, we're like, that looks like a different person. Why? Because we're in a generation that we want this fakeness. We want this mask on. And the danger with that, friends, is people are longing for something real and authentic. You are longing for something real and authentic. People here, if it's your first time, true life, you're longing to see, is this church really serious about what they say? Are they actually walking the walk? Is Dylan got, you know, some dodgy, I don't know, business affairs, dodgy marriage behind the door? That's what you're wondering. Is this thing authentic? Yeah. And I'm telling you, we are doing our best to walk a real, authentic journey with Jesus. Amen. Amen. And I'm calling you to that and saying, let's go on this journey. Let's change this city. Because it's the Lord Christ that we are serving. Yeah. You know, we love the Savior Jesus. We don't like the Lord Jesus. We love that, oh, Jesus, save me, save me, save me. Wonderful. Amen. Come on. But when we hear about the Lord Jesus, the commander of our souls, the leader of our lives, suddenly something is different. Because we don't like authority anymore. Why? Because you grew up and your parents told you everything great. You're the best thing since last bread. You're not. Amen. Hey. We, we have this problem where children have been made God. Yeah. It's true. Little Maya Grace, Lord Grace. <laughs> Lord Maya, she wants to be the Lord of my house. She will not. Yeah. What? <laughs> She's going to fight now. <laughs> but Dad, you want to have a go? Let's go for it. I'm scared. Um, <laughs> Give me grace. So. But yeah, that's the thing is, my daughter, the most loving thing I can do is actually say, no, you're not getting that sometimes. Yeah. Why? Because she needs to understand authority. But if we give children just everything they want, whenever they want, they get older, and then they expect the world to revolve around them. The world doesn't revolve around you. You're quite insignificant in this grand world. Your true significance comes from Jesus and yeah. Jesus alone. Yeah, we are nothing without Him. Yeah. Come on. So stop trying to promote yourself and live by the perceptions of others because all that leads to is insecurity rather than living for Jesus, which leads to an inheritance in Him. Such a big difference. 
Your Instagram filters will die. There will be a new app one day, and people, your children won't even know what Instagram is. Think about it. I mean, I'm struggling with Instagram. I'm getting there. You know, I'm trying. Yeah, I do actually have Instagram. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> I still don't know how it works. I actually, I was trying to comment on some of the baptism things. And I was like, babe, what does this do? You know, if I put this, who can see this? What, you know, it's, and it was walking me through step by step how Instagram works. Because I want to try and relate to you guys on your play, platform. But TikTok, I'm not going there. It just seems demonic. But um, <laughs> come on, you know, some of the older folk are like, Tick, who, what? You know, TikTok was a game we used to play. Um, but here's, here's the thing, is these things will pass, but Jesus, your inheritance in Christ won't. And that's what I'm calling us to think about eternity, not just the temporal. You know, Jacob and Esau, the story of Jacob and Esau was the two brothers. And they go out and one's a hunter. And what he does is he is out hunting in the field and he's been gone for a long time. And he's the firstborn son. And in those days, the firstborn son had double the inheritance of the second. Too bad for you if he's born second. But the second son, Jacob knew that there was going to be a chance where he could try and get that inheritance from his brother. And you know what he did? He waited till his brother came in from the field, tired and weary and hungry. And he walks into the house and he's got a bowl of stew going. Anyone walked into a house after a long day and food's been cooked for you? You know, I get that fairly often sometimes. But I know, you know, the thing I've learned in my house is when I smell brownies, which Anna cooks. They're so, so good, aren't they? If only I could get one. Because I walk in and you smell this beautiful smell. I say, babe, can I please have a brownie? She's like, no, they're for this person's birthday. It's like, this person's birthday? My electricity. Hey, come on, Russell household. Like, there must be something in being a Russell here. Get, give me a brownie. Literally, it goes like this. It's like, if I'll give you a brownie, you don't have to make your own brownies after this. That's how our debate goes in our house. Like, no jokes. Is it true? But anyway, so Anna could swindle anything from me at that point. But this guy, Esau, comes into the house and he says, look, just give me some food. And he says, no, I will only give you this food if you give me your, your birthright, which means a double inheritance. And you know what he does? He says, what good is my birthright to me if I die from hunger? Now, let's be honest, the guy's not going to die. It's one meal. But if anyone's ever been hangry here, you know how tough it can be. You know that feeling. And what happens here is this guy gives away an eternal promise for a temporal pleasure. And so often I see this happening in our generation where we lose sight of eternity and we give, give it away because we, do, we lose sight of that which is actually truly valuable just to satisfy a temporal need in our hunger. Guys, it's time that we get back. I don't know where you're at in your journeys in life, whether that's relationships, businesses, short-term decisions that you need to make. Think about the eternal significance of that decision. Amen. Amen. Come on. Sure. God is good. God is good. Now, it says this in uh, Colossians 4 verse 2. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message that we may proclaim it clearly as I should. It says, uh, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Another translation says, make the best use of your time. 
Beautiful. You know what's incredible about this verse? We're talking about it at Life Group. Is he says, pray for me that the thing that got me into prison, I can do again. How many of our prayer lives are like that? How many of us think, well, I, I, you know what we do? We say, pray for me to get out of prison. I've been put in prison. How unjust is that? I've been put in prison for sharing Jesus. God, where are you? Yeah. Millennial version. Start shouting at God. That's what our generation would do. Yeah. How many of us got put in prison for sharing Jesus, get beat up in prison a few times, 40 lashes, bah, 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 bah. Yeah. You'd be sitting there saying, Hallelujah, Jesus. You'd be saying, oh my goodness, God, where are you? God, do you even exist? God, this, oh my God, where are, you know, God, I just don't understand. Um, Your word says that I will not be harmed. Or You see the danger of this thing. We have no stamina. We have no perseverance. We don't know what to do with suffering anymore. Because actually there's a world watching us, looking at us and saying, how do you guys walk through your trials? Would you pray for an opportunity to go back into prison? I don't know about you. I don't think I would. I'd be thinking, Lord, let, let me go to another nation. Let me, let me run there. Where's that passion gone? Do we believe this thing enough that we could be willing to give our last what? Because that's what God ultimately calls us to is a surrendered life. A life where we're not just looking about short-term gain, about the next money part or whatever it is that you're pursuing in your life. Rather, we're looking at saying, how can my life reflect Jesus so I can leave a legacy for my children's children? Amen. Amen. Come on. Yeah. Is that my baby? Mm. Oh, gosh. They're ganging up on me. Can we all just start shouting at them? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, that's one of the best tricks of a parent. When my grace starts shouting, like, ah! Like, ah! <laughs> you know, doesn't know what to do then. But um, anyway, is, um, <laughs> people are like, please don't do that again. Um, <laughs> it's a South African trick. Um, but here's the thing is, you know when you sell your souls, every one of you is giving your life for something. Every single one of you. You see, the, the issue you might have with Christianity is saying, well, hey, what, what do you guys, why do you give your lives for an invisible God? Why is it that you give your lives for something? How stupid. My question to you, though, and flip that around, is why do you give your life to yourself? What is, what a, just take a moment to consider, what are you truly living for at the depths of your heart, the depths of your soul? What is it that drives you to wake up in the morning and go to work? What is that thing that's driving you? If you are far from God, I'd say, well, what's that? Trees. Trees are driving you. Well, you need a bigger modification. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Trees are great, bro. Trees are great. Um, Ellis is a gardener and his arms has been operated on, so we need to pray for him. Because I don't know how you do those two things together. Um, but... <laughs> But, but here's the thing is we want to see a faith that actually moves us into eternal destiny here. And I don't want you to see a, a wishy-washy church where we don't, we don't know how to walk through anything. I want to see a church that's robust 
resilient, has perseverance, and we can go through things together as a church. Yes, weeping, there will be times of weeping, but also a strength, rootedness in God Himself, a trusting in the Lord with all our heart, leaning not on our own understanding. A church where you looked and you said, I'm not going to just question the whole time, I'm actually going to be rooted in Christ, that I can walk in Him. You see, you will suffer. As a Christian, if, if that's been told to you, and you think suffering is just, you know, before Jesus. No, no, no. There will be times of suffering. But let me tell you that the difference is Jesus is with you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's not that all the, all the valleys are gone. You walk with Him through the valley. Please don't make a camp in the valley. Sometimes we get this victim mentality where we've got so many issues. We're like, oh, I'm just going to sit and camp in the valley of the shadow of death. Get up. Break camp. Walk through it. Jesus died for you. The Lord is your shepherd. He will guide you through. Look at your life and say, actually, there's so much more. This isn't just about you. You know, imagine we had a generation that didn't just fight for their rights, but actually fought for their responsibilities. Imagine a generation that said, hey, give us our responsibility for our city. Give us our responsibility. Don't hear that. Well, because we're all about rights, but we're not about taking responsibility. And church, it's time to rise up. We have a responsibility to this generation, to this nation, to be at the forefront of what God's doing. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yo, I'm going to lose my voice just now. Sure, the Moravians. Anyone heard of the Moravians? They were a group of Christians, ordinary people, that decided that they were going to be devoted to prayer. Exactly what this verse says. And they devoted themselves to prayer and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they start, basically started a lot of the mission movement that we see today. A lot of churches they were planning were out of the Moravians. But you know what they did? They were, they were so devoted to God, they were so encapsulated by prayer and surrounded in this atmosphere of the presence of God, that they actually willingly chose to sell themselves into slavery in order to preach the gospel to slaves on boats. That is the kind of Christianity that we miss in today. A Christianity where people willingly chose to sell themselves into slavery for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, we, we would be like, oh, that's not a wise move today. Imagine the counsel that we'd get. Brad comes to me, hey, Dil, I'm thinking of selling myself into slavery so I can preach the gospel in this region. Oh, Brad. Mm. You know, slow down there. You know, just go put some more dogs to sleep and then think about it, you know? I just... <laughs> Sorry, bro, I had to go there. I love you so much. Um, Brad, when you preach again, you can get revenge. Um, but the Bible says that Moses, when he grew up, Moses was a man in the Bible, he grew up, he refused to take the pleasures of Egypt that were offered to him because he chose to be ill-treated with the people of God rather. Why did he choose to be ill-treated with them? Because he willingly chose to suffer for the sake of Christ so that he could shine Jesus' purpose into that generation. And I'll ask you the question, friend, what is your life counting for today? Where is it that God wants to use you? Because the best use of your time, you know, we need to be wise in the way we act towards people. We need to make the best use of it because I look at a generation wasting their time. You know, a call of duty is not going to get you anywhere. 
And this, you're really good, and you can, I mean, they have stadiums now where they do these events to, you know, make money. You can actually do a career in it. But you're probably not there. <laughs> yeah? Those headshots aren't going to count for anything. Yeah? You know, the amount of time I spent in video games growing up, I think, man, World of Warcraft, what was I doing? <laughs> what was I doing with my life? All night, we'd be playing video games. You know why? Because I grew up in a hole that called Peter Maritzburg. There was nothing else to do. But here's the thing. It's then Jesus captured our hearts and we pray through the night yeah. rather than play games. I challenge you, friends. Men, rise up. Yeah. Seriously. If you are 18, 19, I can name one person that's 19. Um, Josh, how old are you? Oh. Oh. oh, we've got two 90 odds. You're 19. How much time do you spend in these games? Mm. <laughs> Don't answer the question, no. <laughs> Shame, John, I can see you like ready to answer. Don't tell me, please. I, I need, I need counseling often. Um, but the reality is, is take some time and say, actually, I'm going to invest in my future family one day. What does that mean? That might mean you getting a second job to save up for a deposit so that your children's children can inherit something. Maybe that means actually going and sowing your life and volunteering and something, getting involved in church, giving some more time into the local church. Maybe it means who knows what. Just think about it, friends, that actually your games can take a sidestep and you can focus on Christ again. Yeah. You know, there's only so much binge watching on Netflix that you can do before you run out. And you think, my goodness, what's the next thing? I need my fix. When's season three coming out? You know what you sound like? An addict. You know why? Because you are. You know why? Because it is ingrained in these systems to get you to keep watching, keep watching, keep watching, keep watching, keep watching, and never to stop and think, could there be more to life than this? And now I'm just saying, look up. Let's use our time wisely. Because here's the, here's the truth. The one thing you can never get back in life is time. You can get everything else. You can, money, you can go and make more money. You can do all of that. I can give you money. But when I give you my time, I'm giving you the most valuable thing I have on this planet. Because I cannot get it back. How are you using your time? Are you using it wisely or stupidly? And you need to answer that question for yourself. You know, when you get together, do you just talk about the latest football? Or do you just talk about... I don't know. Well, what's your vibe? Because whatever it is, what is it that's on your tongue? Is it Jesus or just Call of Duty level 7? <laughs> one thing I just felt the Lord saying, and I hope this comes across as loving, but also challenging because we won't back away from that, is writing down what you've done in your life that has eternal significance. And remember what I said at the beginning of this. This needs to be balanced out. It's your job has eternal significance. The way you wake up, but the perspective you carry matters in that. So I want to challenge you. Sit down and ask yourself the question, what have I done and what do I want my life to come 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now? What do I want to look back and say, wow, God, you did something remarkable in my life. You did something remarkable in the city because I made a conscious decision to lay down my life for an eternal purpose, not just for myself and not just for my happy little cozy family. 
Let me tell you something, it'll be easier for me and Anna and my grace just to sit at home, not get involved in, you know, whatever it is, life group on Wednesday. I love you guys. You guys are awesome. We had a great time. You know, but it'll be so easy to say, oh, we're just going to stick to, you know, our kid going to bed at six o'clock, whatever, our home, only, <laughs> only, my goodness. It'll be so easy. But we are intentionally saying to you guys, watch our lives. Watch how we raise this, this beautiful daughter of mine. Watch how we raise our next children. Because what we want to do is say, actually, the purpose of God carries on, not just yeah. before you have children, whilst you have children, not when they're 10 years old, 20 years old. We're yeah. taking our kids on mission with us. Yeah. You know who's coming to Kenya? My grace. Yeah. yeah. Why? Because she's going to do mission work. Yeah. From that young age, she's going to pray for people. We're training her. <laughs> Seriously. You know, worship music comes on in our house, you know, raises her hands first. My daughter. She comes running the TV. Not all the time, sometimes. She comes in, and then she's still working out how everything works. Oh, you see, she's, the devil's working. Jesus, we pray. <laughs> we rebuke that. <laughs> um, but the thing is, it's not going to help our children by putting them first in everything. Sometimes showing them that Christ is first in our lives is just as important. And balancing that out, but show them eternity, friends. You know, one of my, my good friends, you guys got five minutes in you? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm just going for this, eh? I know, I know I've hit some things hard today, but I love you. Would you mind? Okay. I think she's coming to daddy. Is, um... One of my, my property friends, not even a Christian, he's, he's dominating Milton Keynes, right? one of the best investors I know. And one of the things that he said to me, because uh, I asked him, how do you do everything that you do? He seriously, I mean, you're, you're dominating every space that I can think of. You're, you know, you've got this mortgage business, estate agency, development business, uh, you know, training business, everything. You run these networkings, and he ran 50 marathons in a year, all at the same time, in the same year. I was like, how do you do this? You're crazy. And it, it runs every single day, constantly, like this. You know what his answer to me was? Such a simple answer. I said, Dylan, I just don't watch TV. <laughs> I just, it, was a, it was like, I was expecting something like, oh, I've got this like tight time management system, da 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 da. No, like when I say literally dominates this, this, this uh, city, he dominates it. 50 marathons in a year, successful businesses, multiple businesses, branches across the, going across the country. How do I do it? Don't watch TV. And yet, we have Christians, they're like, yo, um, I stand at time. How many marathons did you run? <laughs> 51. 51, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, but genuinely, I'm just, I'm just trying to prod you a little bit. I like just, yeah. you know, lightning bolts of love. Is, um, I just don't have time for the Bible or for prayer or to meet up with someone to sow into their life or whatever. Really? Really? Oh, I'm, I'm, I've got, you don't, Dylan, you just don't know. Um, do, I know people in this church, Dan's one of them, incredibly busy people that always have time. It's so into people's lives. Mm. Yeah. And, and like I say in this church, when I look at and I point at leaders in this church, I say, look at our lives. I'll never ask you to do more than what we do. Yeah. Never. 
because we lead by example. But I say, look at our lives and see it modeled. I'm not calling you to anything greater. I'm just saying, just imitate our lives. You know what? You say, Dylan, that sounds so arrogant. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, it says, imitate my faith as I imitate Christ. Mm-hmm. If we don't have leaders that you can imitate, what's, what are they being? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. That's why I'm so, we're so intense with our leadership. We're saying, guys, if it's not real in you, we can't let you lead in this church. Mm-hmm. Because we want to set an example that you guys actually can run and use as a platform to go even further than us in Christ. Mm-hmm. That's the longing of my heart. But we're never going to do it if we just sit there passively thinking, oh, I'm going to wait for Dylan to ask me or wait for someone to ask me. No, no, no. Rise up. By faith, it's time. You have a destiny over your life. Mm-hmm. Molly, God has a plan mm-hmm. over your life. Yeah. You are doing such good work. And it's only just the beginning. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the Lord's is saying to you right now, I've not overlooked you. Mm-hmm. And I'm about to release something in your life that you never even thought possible. I can almost sense that the Lord's just going to... Sorry, this, is, this isn't every week, by the way. Um, but I feel like the Lord's is saying, Molly, um, there is an image in Christ that he's taking you into as a daughter that people won't even recognize you in. And it's not in your family that you, you've looked to, and you, actually you have an amazing sister, all of that, but you're Molly. Yeah. And yeah. he's saying, no, 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 no comparing, no this or that. You are his daughter, yeah. and he has an inheritance Amen. over your life. Amen. And you're not living in any shadow. You are living in the light of Christ that he has upon your life. Yeah. I really feel like he's going to ignite something in you and Ollie's life in this next season. Uh, yeah. That you need to just rise up and shine this light. Amen. Because he's got destiny all, all over yeah. your life. Come on, guys. This is good news. But men of True Life Church, can I call you again to rise up? Yeah. Can I call you again? You know, men, so often it's expected so little upon our men in this church in, in the in the church world mm. i'm saying no we expect more from you mm. we do can, can i can i call you to whatever you do work here with all your heart can you, i call you let's let's get back i'm just going to challenge us to open the door mm. for women in this church mm. you, you know can, can can we get back to offering a seat to a lady in this church if there isn't a seat for them can, can, we, can we get back to just the basics of showing love to the women of this church and serving them and loving them and laying our lives down for them? Come on. Yeah. Because we have an inheritance. And I know some ladies are like, I don't need them to open the door for me. <laughs> Who do I think they are? Well, at least they'll be offered. I showed that guy, he said on the train, he offered a, a seat to a lady. She's like, do you think I need your seat? That's how intense it got. You see, our society's gone crazy. Absolutely crazy. You can't even offer a seat to someone without them shouting at you. But let's be a church that looks different. Let's be a church where we model love and service in our men in this church. And ladies, can I challenge you to rise up into the identity God's called you to walk into? Yeah. To shine Jesus, the strength in the women in this church is so incredible. I absolutely love it. Mm. We have some incredibly strong women that are rising up in this church. And I want to encourage you to fly in Christ and do everything he's called you to because we have an inheritance as a church. Mm. Can I call the worship team up, please? Um, My question to you is very simple. What are you giving your life to today? And I know that 
some of you have come, you know, uh, I know we've got uh, Cameron as a guest, you know, welcome, welcome brother. And we've got some others that are just here for, you know, visiting or exploring, whatever. But I want to encourage you, where are you at in your faith? Where are you at in your life? Where is it that God needs to just transform your life and call you to something bigger than yourself? Are you tired of actually just living just a temporal existence for a temporal place? Instead of saying, actually, God, is there an eternal significance beyond this? Because if this is it, it's quite sad. Okay? I mean, genuinely, if it is, let us eat and drink and be merry. But if there's an eternal resurrection that I'm talking about today, then actually, this is a thing that we need to get right. Because I wanted my life, I, I remember when I was 16, and I made a conscious decision, and I really, yes, I don't, I don't want this to be arrogant, you know, I don't, please hear my heart in this thing, okay? But when I was 16, God so gripped our hearts, I went to a conference with a man that I called Angus Buckingham, he was running this thing called a Martin Man Conference, an hour from where I lived. And we, we drove up and I went with these men and I, I didn't have a dad growing up, but I went there and I remember him calling men to something bigger, putting t eternity back. And I watched Afrikaans men. Anyone know an Afrikaans man? Willem's not really an Afrikaans man. Like, uh, Afrikaans men are generally quite big and strong. <laughs> Oh, you see what I mean? He's seeking sympathy already. That's not a trophy corner. Um, <laughs> but we go to this, this conference, and this guy, he just calls us, and he hits, get rid of your pride. Get rid of your pride. Goes for us. Your pornography addiction, get rid of that. Shouting at us. Honestly, this is what probably I get from. Just shouting. Guys, I watch these men weeping with their sons. And he said, who feels called into ministry, whatever? I just, put on my hand up. I want to be a part of this. You know, he had planned, the, the year that I went, they were meant to, they were planning about, I think it was 20,000 men or something. They'd organized food and everything for these guys, free event. You just rock up, and they said, God sold us, he'll provide for what we, we do. 20,000 people they planned, 60,000 people arrived. I was one of them. And we're on this farm, I'll never forget saying, get up and say, hey, um, the, the chefs or whatever have said, Maybe go light on the food. He said, eat as much as you can. God will provide. And we went and we ate three meals a day. Went through the sink. Bam, bam, bam. And my word, that food multiplied. Because they fed 60,000 people that had catered for 20,000. It's quite a few more. And then I took Willem to the, the, the final one, actually. And we went there, and again, that, that was crazy. But we went, I remember, Saturday evening, I put, threw him in the car. Willem was from a rough background. You hear his story. Um, but we, we go and we drive up there, and it, it changed your life. But <laughs> that's where you became a Christian. Is we're sitting there on these hay bales in the middle of a farm in South Africa with 400,000 men spread across this place and 400,000 men do you know how far that is just to even from the stage to see where the guy is but he called us to something greater and we responded and since that day I remember saying God I want my life to come for something bigger like this where you can actually impact a nation and I started to preparing myself preparing my heart preparing my soul for what God could have for us here 
And what that meant was studying an extra degree whilst doing another degree at the same time so that I could be prepared for the ministry. One of the things I thought, let me learn English so I can get into Arab nations if they won't let me in as a Christian missionary. At least I have English as a teacher I can get in and then preach the gospel. That's how I was thinking. Why? Because suddenly the purpose of God got into my heart, gripped my soul, and I said, I want my life to count for something. I don't want to just live for what our family line has lived for, for past generations. From this day forth, my children will know their fathers. That's what we're fighting for. I went and I remember turning 18. Nothing different to anyone in this room. But taking this book, this book, and saying, I'm going to memorize this book. I'm going to give my life for this. And starting in the New Testament and just memorizing and going chapters 1 throughout the New Testament, memorizing, praying it through, going through chapters 2, chapter 6, the end. You go through. Why? Because I wanted to be prepared for what God is calling us to. Not out of legalism, but out of a love relationship that I said, I want to be so prepared that even, this was my thinking again, if they put me in a Chinese jail, that then at least I have the word of God in my heart and my soul. And no one can take that from me. That's the heart. And going through and messing up and making all the mistakes, young men may, they're going around, they're thinking, losing sight of this thing, you know, going around, but then always coming back to what the truth says. And now being in a community with you guys, saying, guys, let's spur one another on. Let's not wait. Let's prepare our hearts. Imagine every one of us took this thing so seriously that people looked at us like, what are you doing? Actually, tonight I'm going to spend an hour in memorization of scripture. Why? Would you do that? Haven't you heard of Google? No, because the word wants to live in your heart. Uh, Dylan, I I really struggle with prayer. Oh, I just don't know about prayer. Go hang out with someone who's good at it. Say, Lord, I I want to learn to pray. I remember this guy, Big Dave. They, I don't know why I'm sharing these stories, but I want to spur you on. Brad knows Big Dave, eh? Big Dave. You know where I met Big Dave? Was in my kickboxing. He was a sensei. In there, that's where we met. So he used to kick me in the head and then tell me about Jesus. <laughs> but he's a, this massive guy, big Dave. Love him. And he, but we just started talking after one session and he said, oh, I'm a Christian. And I go to his house and we sit down at his house. He's got a boxing bag in the middle of his lounge. It's the funniest thing. And we sit at his little table and um, we sit there and we start praying. And when I say that guy can pray, an hour goes by, two hours go by, three hours go by, and it feels like it's nothing. Why? Because he's a prayer warrior. And when you spend time with people like that, you catch what they carry. And I challenge you, friends, what are you giving your life to today? Let's come back to Jesus and know that the motivation of all of this that I'm talking about is a love relationship with the King of Kings. That actually when Jesus grips your heart, He changes everything. But it's because of His grace that we are saved. It's because of His grace that we can even live and breathe and have our being. But let eternity be set in our hearts. Amen.